This is the Baywell Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, we are joined by our next new host, L. Grover Fricks. L. has undergraduate degrees in psychology and music from Washington State University, spent four years in mental health as a state-certified behavioral therapist, has a master's in the Bible and the ancient Near East from the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, and is the pastor of Refuge Church, both in an online dimension and in Pullman, Washington. L, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Now, be- before we even get rolling, uh, Brent and L, I-, I feel like we need to stop for a moment because a lot of people have joined us on this journey, whether it was because of the chosen commentary or whatever. Like we're 200 and some odd episodes into this thing. And most people, when they get into a podcast, don't necessarily think about going back. But uh, Brent, do you suppose it's wise to instruct people about what Bema? What is this podcast and how is it designed to function? Do you want to talk to us about that? Well, I suppose that would be helpful. So Bema is just kind of this uh, overview of the entire Bible. We covered that in the first about 200 episodes of the podcast. And so that is kind of our foundational material where we establish terms. We talk about how we look at the Bible. We talk about... Um, the context of the Bible, the historical, um, features, everything. So that's, that's our foundational material. We're in session six now from about episode 206 and up, and that's just kind of bonus material. So if you're starting here, there's a lot of assumptions that we're making about the things that you know. And so it's really good to go back and listen to everything, starting from episode zero, actually. Yeah, and it's kind of like locked at a particular time in history. Like we made it, not in a vacuum, but we made it at a particular... So it's dated, but it is designed to be like a body of work. So no matter, like, we started back in 2016, like that was a while ago, uh, lots of things happened in the world. But nevertheless, like it's like, yeah, there's a ton of assumptions being made in session six about what what's already been discussed uh, that may be missed. So we have like, we have this digital resource that we created in the form of a podcast that's designed to interact with it. And it's first five sessions, these first five seasons. So if you want to, if you want to go back and, and, and they're designed to work in order. So they're really designed to go from episode zero to episode 206. And, and they're really not designed to skip chunks. Like we have a lot of listeners that like skip the profits and there are parts of the study that are more of a slog than others, but even in those moments, we're very intentionally um, giving you tools, trying to teach you enough backstory, trying to build different foundations so that when you get to later parts of the study, those things make sense and they, they take root and they, you have handles to hang that stuff on. So um, just a reminder, if anybody's started you know, listening to Bema late, uh, really our, 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 we highly recommend, our strong recommendation is and we know it's a ton of material. It's designed to be a ton of material. It's designed to be more of a relatively comprehensive. Is that an oxymoron? I don't know. Relatively comprehensive uh, study. It's designed to go from Genesis to Revelation and church history. That is the body of work that we designed this for. And my personal recommendation would be to go through that first set of episodes basically as fast as possible. Yes. Some people like to take notes and I'm all about that. But if you try to slow down and take notes on every episode, you'll never catch up. So my recommendation is to go through all of the episodes as quickly as possible, get the big picture 
And then you can go back to specific episodes that seemed particularly compelling to you or interesting or whatever and take deeper notes on that. Read the extra material, whatever. But get that big picture in your mind and then go back for notes. That's my recommendation. I know some people can't do it that way, but that's what I would say would be the best approach at this point. What a great recommendation, Brent Billings. Um, And we are here with L. Enough about that. Let's talk about L. Why is L here? Well, we said last week that what we are doing is we are expanding the Bema teaching team. So that it's not just Brent and Marty. We we want no cult of Marty Bema out there. This is Yeah, let's be realistic. It's mostly Marty. It's not really Brent that much. <laughs> well, well, whatever it is. Uh, we don't even want a two-headed monster over here. We we really need more voices, and we're probably uh, you know a hundred episodes too late to the to the party here. But the the more people, the more thinkers, the more voices, the more contributors we add to the conversation, I think the healthier it is. Um, maybe the more I don't want to call it entertaining, but the more um, delightful it is to consume the podcast. That those are our hopes. Uh, obviously, there will be. Uh, teachers you gravitate to more than others, but the idea is to to widen out the amount of people uh, and and to um, uh, to diversify that team as well with perspectives and everything else. So, um, I, I'll, I'll I'll tell you what I love about Elle before we let her talk. The things I love, the things I'm excited about what Elle brings to the team is her expertise in biblical studies and biblical Hebrew. Um, Elle got to go live like the life I always wanted to live. I live vicariously through Elle. Um, <laughs> I got stuck here doing campus ministry and she got to go to like Hebrew university and do Ooh. all the things. And it was, it was so awesome. Her time in Israel, uh, her experience around even modern Judaism from lots of perspectives. Um, and she, uh, also brings, uh, the voice and perspective of a woman to the team. Ooh. which I think is uh, very important. And speaking of that, we were preparing for this episode, and I jokingly mentioned, as we were like collecting notes, uh, L, that you would be the most educated member of our teaching team, and you graciously but unjokingly pointed out that that's really a reality for so many women like you. And uh, before we even get started, could you speak to that? Because why not? Yeah, sure. Um so I think especially in the space of the church, but also wider society, um, men are really considered the default, right? Nobody thinks anything um, untoward or different when a man walks on stage and grabs the microphone. But um, there's so much inherent bias, even also in women, um, until more recently, I also carried that myself. So I'm not mm. the wokest of all of us, but, um, but you know, a woman walks on stage and the, the thought is, Oh, you think, <laughs> you think you're fancy, right? Um, and so women are really, really conscious of that. Um, we can feel that I was often the only woman in the room in my classrooms at Hebrew university. Um, and so that that inherent bias, even if people are actively fighting against it, um, really, in some ways, um, shapes women's experiences. And part of that is that we try to be taken seriously um, by acquiring more accreditations so that when someone, when a woman walks on stage and grabs a microphone and they say, well, who does she think she is? We can say, oh, well, I have 
this and this and this and this in my background. Um, um, and especially in church spaces, often um, that kind of accreditation isn't always expected or required of men. So maybe we should all be getting more education or maybe the ceiling can be lowered. I don't know. I'm, mm. Both can be good. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. Worth thinking about, everybody. So, Al, I don't know if you want to maybe share. I mean, I did I did an introduction of you, but if there's anything else you want to share about who you are, uh, this would be a great time. But I don't, I'm also interested in how you know Marty, how you know me, what your experience is with Bama up to this point. Give us some kind of backstory there as well. Yeah. I mean, the basics other than that you covered are that I've been married to my wonderful husband, um, Mr. George Fricks, for about eight years. Um, and we welcomed into the world our baby Lewis in November. Um, so I'm treading new waters as a mom as well. But um Backstory, I grew up in an intellectually rigorous church environment um, where like if I was caught in a sin, my job would be to go and find a Puritan sermon on whatever sin I had just done and copy it out by hand. Um, that was kind of my background. So when I got to when I got to WSU where Marty used to do campus ministry, um uh, and found this whole new world of the Bible from a historical and cultural perspective through him. It was like the floodgates opened up of, um, give me that fire hose. I want to learn all of this um, new material that I had never knew that existed of the Bible outside of this very specific um, reformed based also white male perspective. Um, and so that was a very exciting time. Um, there was an old school podcast that was really just recordings of the, of the, um, of Marty's classes. That they have I'd been devoured. destroyed everybody before you send me their emails. Yeah. They have been destroyed. They no longer exist. That's which is probably good. I'm on some of them, not all of them. And I'm usually <laughs> making like a sassy comment or a star Wars reference. So it's fine. Um, so I, we were all a little sassier back then. I think, Oh, all I haven't us. lost any of that sass. You can speak for yourself, Mr. Billings. <laughs> <laughs> uh but so george and i loved that we got married in college um and we started we went to israel with marty and um our relationship with marty kind of grew from there and that i would periodically send him these messages usually involving me like flopping angstily on his proverbial doorstep being like why is this thing and he'd say well maybe think about this and i'd be like okay and then come back a month later but what about this um, so he's been putting up with me for quite some time. And then I met Brent also in Israel where he was doing photography and thought, oh, well, he seems like a wonderful, wonderful person willing to serve and hang out in the back, which is not always everyone's preference. That is good. I love it. That was good. Yeah, that's, that is Brent Billings to a T. Yeah. I love it. Always willing to help serve, make everything better. Mm -hmm. Make everything better. Talking about your music degree mm. one of your undergraduate degrees i feel like i have a special knowledge of who l is because i got to hear l sing amazing oh. grace in this oh, beautifully reverberant church in jerusalem it was just like an unexpected and so special experience mind-blowing that is very kind unbelievable so many people talk about that moment oh that is sweet 
And I wish I would have actually taken the group in there because we would have we would have been in even the the right spot in the building, and it would have even been better. Uh, but yeah, you know, there's a recording of me there um, because that's my favorite place to take people to in the old city um, is St. Anne's. It's wonderful church um and some you know photographer guy was wandering around while i was singing in there and recorded it and asked me if it was okay to put online so you can probably find that oh yeah 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 show notes that's what i'm talking about (laughs) oh boy (laughs) just what the people want there you go brent you got it i'm gonna find it all right love it all right so uh Part of so part of what we're doing here with these episodes is introducing these team members because I want to be able to like turn them loose. Like the next time you hear them, it may just be them and Brent. It might be Reed and Brent or L and Brent and Marty's not even not even here. And so I, I want to kind of introduce them and let you kind of get a sense for uh, who they are and their passions. Uh, part of what I'm excited about, not the whole thing, but part of what I'm excited about with L is that expertise in biblical Hebrew. So let's just let's just give this a little test drive today. Uh, recently, somebody wrote in, um, and they were asking about the different words for laws, such as laws, rules, statutes, commandments, etc., in the Hebrew. So, could you uh, take us on a little brief? road trip through the the Hebraic thoughts surrounding those words and how they're distinct, L. I would love to. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that you'll discover if you get into philology or um, looking more into the Hebrew is how the translators are doing their very best with all the skills that they have at the time. But sometimes they just go willy nilly on their synonyms and pick and just say, you know what, this this is probably good. So this specific question is one where you can really see that. Um, so one of the most common words for commandment um, is one that I'm sure your listeners are used to, which is mitzvah. Um, there's a wonderful thought about the word mitzvah that... Um, that unfortunately is from the Aramaic, not the Hebrew. I don't know if you've said this story, but they say that it's actually a word for connection. And so every commandment is a way to connect with God, which is a lovely image. And I don't think it's not true, but um, that's a development from the Aramaic, which comes much later. Um, The root behind commandment is more of the word for decree or a charge. So anytime the text is using commandment instead of the other four that I'm going to talk about. Um, It's really giving us the picture of God as king. So it's first mentioned as Genesis 2 when it says, um, Adonai commanded the man, you are free to eat from any of the trees of the garden, right? So that's mitzvah. Hmm. Um, Another common one, though, um, which I'm looking, I I looked for verses that had them all grouped together. There's a bunch grouped in Deuteronomy 6.1, the start of Shema, of course. Um, and then I'm also going to look at Genesis 26, 5. So if you want to follow along in Blue Letter Bible or something, they're there. The second one in Deuteronomy 6, 1 is the word that um, in the BLB, I think they use the complete standard Bible. Is that what that is? Um, the default there, anyway, translated it statute. Um, but it's the word hook. Um, and that's onomatopoeic for something that is cut or engraved. So it's Mm. literally set in stone. So that's more likely to be, 
I, you know, if I was going to pick a random one, I'd probably pick commandment to translate there because they were engraved, right? So that's the image that they're probably calling on. So if commandment mitzvah is God as king, statute is more God as carver, which is cool because Genesis 1-1, Bereshit, Adonai bara, or bara uh, Elohim, actually. Um, bara, that word that we translate create, is actually to carve. Uh, Genesis 1 is full of these images of God as a, as a worker, um, as a craftsman. And so the first one that we see is him carving. So we're kind of being reminded as God is creator whenever we see hook, mm. um, because he's carving us, he carved the law, etc. It's two out of two out of five. Two out of five? Yeah. You know, I'm thinking it's uh, it's been a while since we've done a presentation, but I'm thinking we might need to put together a presentation for this. You might. And if it's there, it's going to be in the show notes. Everyone is going to want to know how to spell these words and everything else. So I think I think we'll just do it. We'll put the presentation together. So it'll be there. Yeah. And I, and I think we were asking the CSB. And just to clarify, I think that is, as long as I'm thinking of the right, it's the Christian Standard Bible, which is a new version of the Holman Christian Standard. Oh. Has more maybe Baptist roots involved with it there. I have no allegiance to that standard um, version at all. Right. Um, I have my specific favorite version I can talk about, but don't want to lose steam here. Any any things that you want to throw in? You're two of five. We got three more left. Don't lose steam. That's Keep right. going. Um, number three is a word that Marty and I have talked about before, um, but it is the word mishpat. So if you're looking, following along in, in Gen- uh, not Genesis, Deuteronomy 6.1, um it's the third word there um and again this version has picked ordinance which again that feels like they just had the the source open but anytime you have a mem the m sound at the front of a word it is a prefix which is like the place of um so one of my favorite um facts about that mem is the word for desert is of course what midbar yes wonderful um and you take the m off and it's the word dvar uh, and dvar is word uh, specifically when you're speaking so the desert then is the place of speaking it's the place that you go when you need to hear the voice of god speaking to you um that's good so the mem at the front here is um the mem then following the words shofet, which is the word for judge. So an ordinance here that the translators have chosen is just the thing that the shofet, that the judge has said, something that the judge has set down. So we had God as king, we had God as creator or carver, and now we have God as judge, mm. which again is, of course, going to be the biblical idea of judge, not um, the fluffy wig and the big robes, but more like Deborah. <laughs> no, just just throwing it out there. Okay, and then jumping over to Genesis twenty six verse five for other couple words. Um, if you have further questions, if I missed one later, you can bring them up and say, "Hey, what about this one?" So here we have um, God speaking as He does tend to. Um, he's reiterating the promise to Avraham, and he says that um, Avraham needs to shema his voice, and it says vishamar mishamarti. So, um, that was a repeated word, right? So, he says you need to guard the things which I have given you to guard, basically. So, the word shamar, the root there, is um, 
is a picture of a watchman. Um, so God has given us these things that we need to keep watch over. Reminds us of the way that he talks about Shabbat a lot, right? Mm. Is you need to keep this. It's something sacred. It's something precious and valuable. So sometimes commandment, statute, ordinance, or whatever is the picture of something precious that we need to keep, keep watch. So that's number four, God slash words as something precious. And the last one that I have prepared, though maybe there's more, um, is translated here, instructions. Um, so it's uh, because Avraham has shemad, me, it actually says my voice, kept my uh, things that should be guarded, my uh, mitzvoti, so my commandments, my chukoti, so my laws, my my engraved things, and then vetorati. So Torah comes from the root yara, um, which just means... Um, not just means. Um, so Torah is teaching, right? That's usually the way that we translate it. But the picture behind it, the picture behind what it means to be a teacher is flowing water, which I think is so cool. If you're teaching well, you should be imparting this knowledge to people like a river, like this thing goes by and then this thing goes by and then this thing goes by and they all come together as a beautiful, like a river. So um, here we have God as teacher. So in each of these words, God has seen fit to give us all these different ways to think about his rules, right? Um, he's a king, he's a creator, he's a judge, he is something precious, and he is our teacher. Um, so those are the different pictures behind those different words that you can you can check. TLDR is uh, <laughs> just download Blue Letter Bible and go back all the way to the last root and then check the Jesenius. Don't look at Strong's. Don't look at Strong's. Look at look at uh, the Jesenius, and it'll usually tell you a picture that'll be very helpful. I'm I'm like taking notes <laughs> right now. Uh, things I didn't even know about some of these tools. Um, I love that. Like that, I feel like we're channeling our Bible project right now. Ha! I love it. Um, <laughs> these word studies. But so I'm hearing you say, like we look at all these words and we're just like, tell me the difference between all these different words for law for laws. But but what we're seeing here is that the words are all pictures mm -hmm. that tell us something about the God who's giving the law. Did I hear that correctly? Yes, yes. Oh, um, that is good. That's yeah. good. Semitic languages are very, 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 very image-based. Um, there's a lot of onomatopoeias, and so there's a lot of um, audio qualities to it as well. But there's almost always – I don't think I've ever run into a word, but I'm sure there is one, but that doesn't have a picture behind it. Um, very poetic language. Well, that is absolutely amazing. Um, I think that our hope is that listeners who are interested in learning Hebrew will potentially be able to learn from you, El. Yeah. Um, I th we, we do get a lot of questions about how to learn Hebrew and how to engage that a little bit more. And so that's something that we're working on, I think, and we'll probably have more information on that in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody should learn Hebrew, in my opinion. Um, it's the language that the book is written in, and all translation is mistranslation. And yes, if you are a member of clergy or a teacher or a Bible study leader, it's great to have um, in your toolbox. But any person who's seeking to fall in love more with its text should learn Hebrew, and uh, probably from me, just... Just put that out there. I happen to know <laughs> that L will confront leaders of podcasts and tell them lovingly, your material would be so much better if you would simply learn 
how how to how to read Hebrew. I know this because I am that podcast leader. So I am actually learning. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be starting with L. I, I think it, if I can say it, uh, we're kind of serving as maybe the guinea pig, the the trial run of what could become maybe something that we get to offer through the Bayma channels. Yeah. Um, so she's gonna be teaching me. Uh, I've never formally learned Hebrew, so I think it's about time for that. I've been wanting to, and now I have somebody that I know and I trust and and l has goaded me to take that leap says it will significantly help my teaching which yeah. will benefit all of us right you know the other word for to teach is lamed and that uh, the image behind that one is actually a goad so i try to be more of the reverse <laughs> teacher but with you maybe sometimes a little bit of, a little bit of i a need a goad it's the only way that i truly learn um, no, that's oh, great. Dear. So thank you for that Hebrew lesson, L. And and I, I'm just going to throw this out here. You don't have to do this. Like, it'll be your episode. Just do whatever you want to. But you maybe we always get to have like a little 10, 15 minute like Hebrew corner with L whenever she's around because that's one of the things like the other email we get all the time is the words for sin, like inequity and mm-hmm. in, sorry, yeah. iniquity and trespass and sin and transgression. And, and so to be able to just do a little... A, a little tidbit, maybe. Um, you know, don't make any promises. Brent will tell you we make no promises because as soon as we say every verse of Matthew, we have to do every verse of Matthew, right, Brent? Uh, yeah, you said it, so <laughs> we, we did it. We follow through. That's the thing. Gosh, it's hard to talk to me without me throwing in some kind of Hebrew thing. Like Brent reprimanded me for saying something about Hebrew before the recording started. So, uh, whether or not it's a formalized ten to fifteen minute thing, I. Love it. I always, I'm always learning Hebrew when I'm around Ellen. It's great. Um, but that's not the only thing that L loves and that L does outside of your training in Hebrew. Uh, you've studied other things. You didn't just study Hebrew. You, you studied other things that you're very passionate about. So can you tell us a little bit about what that and maybe just give us a short little, a little taste of what that would look like in in the things that you teach and love and see and give away? Yeah. I mean, there's lots of things that I'm passionate about um, as someone who spent a lot of time in the mental health field. I'm really passionate about um, wellness, well-being, wholeness. Um, and uh, so that comes through what I'm teaching a lot. But what I did in um, in school that I am also kind of in my core pillars of things that I talk about a lot um, is I did a lot of study um, in religious texts and communities in violence against women. Um for a bunch of reasons but so if you hang out with me that is something that you'll be hearing about (laughs) is there anything that you had that you um anything any fun little story any little yeah where does this become relevant for you give give us a little little taste yeah well um it's relevant because um 85,000 women every year across the globe will be murdered um usually by their um, partner or family member. Um, and those numbers aren't different in the church. Um, that's across all different fields. So it's always relevant, um, especially for half of humanity, right? Um, we're the victims of that. But um, I'm passionate about it um, in the church context, because I'm, I want to ask the questions and research, how did we get here? Um in our religious texts and how are we perpetuating harm via our biblical interpretation? Where have we failed women in the past that has enabled these communities to continue perpetuating harm? Um, and so, uh, a little, a little taste would be, um, judges 11, 
the scroll of Shoftim. Um, you have the story of uh, how it's transliterated in your Bible, Jephthah, but it's actually actually a dude named Yiftach, um, not someone you'll hear preached on that often, I would guess. <laughs> but uh, if you recall, he is Except the... for poorly. It'll be preached on poorly. When you... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've never, except for myself, it was the first sermon I ever preached, but except for myself, I've never he- heard anybody else. I've read a bunch of stuff, but... Um, yeah, so if you you're not familiar with the story, um, it's about a judge um, or a man named Yiftach, and he is born to a uh, prostitute through his um, father's. Um, let's see, how do we want to put that? A uh, an action which was not approved of by the rest of his family. So Yiftach growing up received all this ostracization from his family and community because of something that he did not do wrong, right? That was the sin mm. of his father. And then it says that he was kicked out of his community and um, went into the wilderness and found some friends out there and roamed around fighting people. But what happened for Yiftach is then his community, and not just his community, the leadership in his community came back for him. And they found him in the wilderness and said, we are so sorry, you are actually an integral member of our community with valuable skills that we cannot do without. Please come back and be amongst us um, and help lead us. Your voice is valued by us. And he says, okay, if that's what it seems like God um, is making work, then I will. Um, and then there is a bunch of verses that probably nobody has ever preached on. That's not true. I'm sure people have, but about the battle and how it goes and everything. And then after that, we have a parallelism. Very exciting. Um, that's so what we par- do here. I yeah, love it. We do parallelisms all day, every day. Um, so the parallelism that's always missed is what happens with Yiftach's daughter, who doesn't even get the courtesy of a name. Sometimes, uh, feminist scholars like to name these women who have gone unnamed but so she goes out to celebrate her father to honor her father when he comes home and he's made this stupid vow which is the only thing anybody ever preaches on or talks about in the interpretation um that he's going to slaughter whatever comes out through his door the word sacrifice is just the word for slaughter um don't like to pull punches there zabach he's going to slaughter whatever comes out of his door or his gates rather and it's his daughter and he says oh how could you do this to me centering himself as the victim as men shade intended love to do um and she says oh father woe is us just let me go out into the wilderness and find some friends and mourn for a while, and then I'll be back. So catch the parallelism. She does something, and it's not her fault. She receives ostracization for it, right? She just receives this negative response. She goes out into the wilderness just like dad did. She goes out with her friends and runs around in circles just like her dad did, not literally running around in circles. She wanders for a while. But nobody from her community goes out for her and says, Actually, you're a valued member of this community. Please come back. Actually, your voice matters. Please come back. Actually, we were wrong. Please come back. Your voice is valuable and we need you, not just in the community, but in leadership. And that story is a story of looking at who we value and who we fail. Because at the end of the story, she just gets murdered. And that's the end. Um, And we 
because we haven't studied enough, the only the only takeaway that we tend to get from that passage is don't make stupid vows. And we all think to ourselves, well, I've never made a stupid vow, you know, vowing to kill whatever comes out of my gate. So I'm good. No, how many of us have seen somebody get kicked out of our community, um, get sent away for whatever reason, whether it's their fault or not? And we haven't gone out after them. We've just said, well, I guess that's a community I'm part of. And we drop our responsibility. And that has real consequences for women, for all these other communities. It doesn't take a lot of preaching to think about who those communities might be, right? Um, so revisiting those stories um, gets me so fired up because it's God has always been ahead of us in these things. Um, we can let the Bible be what it is and we don't need to always try to transpose, um, you know, our political values or whatever and try to get the text to talk about them. God's values have always been there, always been ahead and it's in the text. And if we just pay attention, we can see it. Uh, a thousand times. Yes. And that is a perfect, uh, little tidbit and taste of why I'm excited to have, uh, you on the team and you've. I personally just really, I've been on this long journey with so many of these things. Um, I think it's why I have such, uh, I, don't, I don't know what I have. What do I have? I, I want to have grace and understanding because I know where I was at mm-hmm. seven, ten years ago uh, on some of these topics. So all the angry emails that I try to remember where I was um, and just invite people to come along. But I, I personally uh, appreciate L, just the way you've you've graciously but boldly taught me things that I've needed to learn and consider, and it is far too easy uh, as a Christian leader, particularly who's male and and white, and it's just easy to avoid. It's just easy to avoid. I don't have to live in those spaces. I don't have to experience those things. And you have uh, routinely reminded me of those in a beautiful way, and so I I. Uh, we are not going to hold that heavy-handed on the podcast. L, L knows that. We've talked about that. Like, we're going to hold, uh, but we're not going to shy away from it either. How should I say that? L, what would you say about that? Um, I'd say that following Christ is at the core of our being, um, and studying the text um, is what we're excited about, and um, not certain tenants and principles that are like hot topics that's not you know trying to be trending is not at the core of our being right being faithful to god's yeah. word is at the core of our being mm. yep well said well said you can see why it's better to have multiple voices enter the room because it's like oh yeah i i wouldn't have said that but l did and there you go and uh, very well said indeed Brent, what are you? I I heard a breath. Well, I'm thinking if L had been here from the beginning, every time we would have mentioned a chiasm or a parallelism, we would have had a little trumpet blast. <laughs> and so I don't know. I might I might have to find a little sound clip and start dropping that in. Absolutely. I, I listened to another podcast that has a soundboard. Uh, I, I might need a Baymoss soundboard that you send me that has uh, like five buttons, and I could just <laughs> insert those sounds whenever I want to. You know, I'll probably do it every time, so you might not even need the soundboard. Just that excited. Yeah, soundboards are kind of dangerous. It's easy to get carried away with the soundboard. What? I would be so disciplined. So this is so disciplined. This isn't the Bama Morning Zoo. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, Brett. What else do you have for us before we call this thing quits? I don't know, L. Do you have any other um, 
any elements of your personality, any other passions that we haven't mentioned up to this point? We've talked about a lot of stuff, um, but just in case there's anything else that you want to um, bring to the table and just just kind of place there. To place there. We don't have to get all of it. I mean, I don't think we're going to go into another big topic, but no, just, no. you know, something something that you want to kind of like shine a little light on for future reference. Yeah, we'll learn about all the team members as we go throughout this whole journey together. But if there's anything that's like, you know, if I was going to tell something about me, this needs to be on the list too. Like you need to know this before we even get started. Hmm, things people need to know. I don't know. Uh, I don't really have a like, you need to know this about me um, type vibe. Uh, you've probably <laughs> picked up everything you need to know, likely from what I've said. Uh, other things that I care about uh, that you can ask me questions about would be like, um, I'm really big archaeology, history, culture person. I mean, that's why I'm here too, but it's not just the Hebrew words. I did almost a lot of my classes. It was a secular university, so a lot of history and culture classes and archaeology. Um, and I'm excited about equipping people to navigate their own spiritual questions and formation. I just like to say, okay, here are the things you should know. Now you go out and decide what you want to do with that. So I don't know. That's the general idea. It's beautiful. There we go. I think we'll wrap it up there for this episode. And um, yeah, Elle, is there a place that people can connect to you if they have found your voice particularly refreshing and they just want to have a conversation with you or if they want to engage more of your material, where can people find you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can find more of my material if you go on YouTube and you look for Refuge Church Pullman. You'll find we just wrapped up a series on Exodus. Um which I think was great, but it's all my material, so I'm biased. Um, if you want to listen to that, and then uh, by the time this podcast launches, um, my personal website should be up talking about Hebrew lessons, talking about uh, ways you can contact me and talk to me about stuff. I am not active on social media. Um, my church has been telling me that I need to be. and I've been so not wanting to get back into those waters. Uh, you can message me on Messenger through Facebook, but if you like write something on my wall, if they even still call it that anymore, I will not see it. Fair enough. Yep, it is fair enough, and I, I hold hold your ground. I, yeah, <laughs> hold your. I, ground. I quote Brent all the time. He was in that meeting, uh, and he said that social media should serve us, not the other way around. So thank you for that uh, artillery that I can use back whenever I need Brent. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, I'm I'm happy to provide that. Yeah, I, like personally, I do not want people to contact me on Facebook. So I have, I have like turned off my status. Mm. Not that I'm even on Facebook, but I've turned off my like active status indicator. Mm -hmm. I've made it so if you're not a friend with me, you have to answer like some weird question, and the answer that I put is not at all the right answer. If somebody was actually answering that question, so I'm hoping that like hold some of those messages back. So I understand like there can't be 27 ways to contact every person. It's just too much to keep up with. It's not healthy. So I, I respect your, your positions on social media. So thank you. We'll move on from there. Um, of course, Marty and I like Twitter. So if you want to get a hold of Marty, you can find him at Marty Solomon and I'm at EIBCB. You know, half of my sermons are complaining about Twitter and the ways that we <laughs> weaponize it to feel better about ourselves. So I feel like I would really be hypocritical territory if i opened up that but i'll let you guys stay there you know twitter is is a thing that um 
you, you def, I mean, with anything, like to get the most value out of something, you have to put work into it and you have to understand its strengths and weaknesses. And mm. yeah, I've been on Twitter for a long time and my, like the people that I follow is very refined and I get exactly what I need out of Twitter and nothing that I don't. I'm happy that you've reached enlightenment, Brent. That is uh, not yeah. enlightenment. The case. It's a much, it's a much lower level of enlightenment, but it is nice. <laughs> So anyway, write a book. This is the end of the episode now. So you can uh, go to bamadiscipleship.com and find any other details about the show. And then we'll talk to you again soon. You're seeing your levels in audacity. Um, yep. Such an appropriate platform for L. I love that. <laughs> audacity. <laughs> audacity. Uh, Did they have one called stay at home mom who functions as a uterus full time? <laughs> uh, for an audio recording platform. <laughs> That'd be great, though, wouldn't it? It would. A little bit of a mouthful. I don't. I don't know that the marketing would um, would work out really well. Gotta be a downer, Brent.